0: My podcast deserves vengeance.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Beyond the Silver Screen. We're all very excited about the new movie Tenet uh, by director Christopher Nolan. I think it's so... pronounced Tenet. Sorry? Tenet. Tenet, really? No, yeah. it's Tenet. <laughs> no, it as is. in a Tenet that somebody follows? No, I think it is I, uh, Tenet. Th- I thought it was Tenet. Pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure it's a fucking word, Einish. <laughs> I was kidding, it is Tenet. Never mind. Okay, I was gonna say. Honestly, no. could, can we keep this in? Yeah.
2: did yes. we say uh tenant, like landlord tenant? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Tenant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How, how many okay. people
1: have you guys heard actually? Say, that, that word is pronounced ten-ant. tenant. With ten-ant. all due respect.
2: Oh yeah. Shoot. My bad. Uh, I'm not very good at English. It's my yeah, first me, me too.
1: language. It's it's my second language, and I don't even speak it. <laughs> It just forged the
0: documents when applying to university. <laughs> yeah. Oleg I mean, is actively
1: go- Google
2: translating everything as he speaks. <laughs> it gets the job done so far.
0: But yeah, um, we, we're doing a series on Christopher Nolan in anticipation and build-up for Tenet. T- tenet. Tenet, yes, for Tenet. <laughs> but, um, so- Actually, I
3: believe it's called Tenot. Ten tenet.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: that,
3: that Okay, that th- th- right.
1: this joke has officially been taken too far. But, yeah, so... L- l- let's continue joking.
3: Wait, wait, I've got a few more. Let's see. <laughs> uh, ten, toe, <laughs> toe knot. <laughs>
1: yeah, like a toe and a nut. I gotcha. <laughs> toe, toe knot. Toe knot.
2: Huh? Stop, stop. I know where this is going. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you um, know...
1: So,
0: basically, in anticipation for Tenet, we all chose one Christopher Nolan movie that we love or just wanted to talk about that you know yeah and so we're here to talk about them all right so the movies that we chose were memento dunkirk interstellar and inception so
1: yeah Yep. yep. those were indeed the movies all right so the first one is memento chosen by yours truly alex trombley that's your cue yep. <laughs>
3: Yep, first one is Memento, uh, chosen by yours truly, Alex Trombley, that's your cue. Alright, so um, my my rankings, That that what mm-hmm. we're doing? Yeah, your rankings yeah. and
0: then why you chose Memento.
3: Alright, so uh, top ranking is Memento, uh, second ranking is Inception, third is Dunkirk, fourth is Interstellar, of course. Um, and so... The reason I picked uh a memento uh, for the showing is because I think it's it's uh Christopher Nolan at his best. It's incredibly layered, it's really nice and tight. It I think Christopher Nolan does his best when he's you know, doing down to earth people. Because like he he <laughs> can <to> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Christopher, Christopher very literally he wants. Uh, Good yeah, guy. literally in some cases, um, but yeah, no, the, the more he tries to go into this grand sci-fi things, I think the the more he fucks himself up. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it.
1: <clears throat> Majestic description. Um, I try. <laughs> so.
0: And we had a discussion question for Memento, which is why we're talking about it. <laughs> So yeah, you yeah.
2: wrote those discussion questions, so why, yeah, don't, no, you, I, I why got, don't you tell us what it is? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I got it's all up here. It's all it's all here. Um so in relation to like, you know, the memento discussion, we asked the question, so do you think like this movie would work better with like without the editing gimmick, without it being like, you know, edited the way it is? Would have oh, it have been better? Fuck no. Yeah.
2: How, how would it have been
0: fuck different no. if it was told chronologically? <laughs> like pr- probably not better, but how would it have been different? So. Yeah.
1: Do you think this movie would be better if the best thing about this movie was removed?
2: Hmm. Well, sort of like, do you think the movie would work if it was told chronologically, or does it only work because it's told in this way?
1: Okay. Can I start then? Yeah. Um, my response to that question is that I think it would have still been like a solid story. However, the whole point of um. The overall product being written like this is that we get to experience it end to middle and beginning to middle at the same time otherwise if we didn't experience it like that all the twists would come at the wrong time and i i legitimately think we would still appreciate it but it wouldn't leave as much of an impact
0: yeah i i agree with that where like i feel like if it was told normally like the normal chronological way or whatever it would just be like you're a very well told, well made film about like you know a husband out for revenge, but it wouldn't. It, I don't think it'd be remembered as much. Like there's a lot of movies out there of this kind of genre, so yeah.
2: Yeah, rape and revenge is literally its own subgenre. It's normally horror focused, but it did get its roots uh, from a Bergman movie called Virgin Spring, so it does have art house roots to it. But yeah. There's a lot of movies like this, so you do have to do have to change well, it up a little.
3: I was I was gonna say it's it's generally very uh you know uh new French uh fuck what is it called new French, French, French new extremity oh uh, yeah it's, new French no.
2: extremity I, <laughs> I hate that movement. <laughs>
3: yeah. I like some <laughs> yeah. of it. I like some of it, like irreversible.
2: Yeah, oh, I, I want to talk about that one. I'm glad you've seen that.
1: <laughs> I don't speak French.
2: Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you've seen that, because I actually wanted to talk about that in relation to Memento, and I'm glad that I won't be the only one who's seen it now.
3: <laughs> yeah, of course, it's Gaspar Noé. How could I not watch it?
2: Yeah, that is pretty up your alley, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: All right, uh, do we want to move on to other people?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I suppose I can go. Yeah, I think it works really well, told in this order and like talking again about. Uh, I'm just well, going to say irreversible the, the because statements. I do have a I do have a decent French accent, but I don't want to butcher it anyways. Um, irreversible. Irreversible. But um, right you just it's did. It's like irreversible.
1: Yeah. Got I it. I love it when people say I won't try to pronounce this and they tr- and then they try to pronounce this. <laughs> I, I do well, that not, all the time. Nobody yeah. can really resist trying
3: to pronounce it like whenever they say i'm not going to pronounce it they all go oh but it's in the back of my mind now that i need to try
2: (laughs) yeah i mean for the two months that i lived with a french family my french accent was pretty good because it had to be so that i could like get the basic necessities i needed to like live but ever since then it's it's gone downhill uh (laughs) but yeah for this film i feel like it was very much planned whereas like i know for irreversible it was more of like an afterthought i think that movie does a good job with it mostly because of the fact that it kind of looks like one shot which is very interesting for a film that's told in this order um but in memento it really adds a lot to putting you in the character's headspace and also i think adds a lot in terms of keeping you guessing kind of it One of my problems with the film is that for the first two acts, it kind of lays out everything you need to know in the first, like, 30 minutes. But there's a lot of specifics about how things got to where they are that you don't really know. And so it's able to keep you guessing enough towards the third act. So, I mean, it's a little long. I think it could be shorter. But it definitely, like, chops up the editing structure enough so it doesn't feel repetitive and all those sorts of things but yeah i think it does it really well i don't think think it would be as interesting if you just told it straightforward either
1: i think the structure of uh, the film is that such um every time we see a new piece of information every time we see a new scene it recontextualizes everything we have already seen that actually happened after that like moment in time that we just witnessed and it's very interesting how pretty much every other time we scroll back and get an additional piece of the story, it completely flips everything we already do know that happened later on its head.
0: My um, mm-hmm. my favorite reveal, I think, is at the very end. You're wondering, like, the whole time. At least I was wondering. Like, it says, Teddy, don't believe it's uh, lies. We and should
1: like, also
3: say, Wait, I was going to say we should also say spoiler alert.
0: I feel like at this point they would know.
1: I mean, we always spoil movies when we talk about them. I think, like, hey, just in case.
0: Fair enough. Just in case. But um, spoiler alert: Teddy dies in the first two minutes. But (laughs) (laughs) no, the movie
3: literally opens on on Teddy's dead body. Spoil the end slash beginning of the
1: movie. But um, the end of the story, the beginning of the yeah. Don't
2: spoil the ending, Inish. Jeez, (laughs) first scene. (laughs) but um
0: yeah so the the reveal that i love is like throughout the time like throughout the story he um teddy keeps giving him information but then on the card it keeps saying like don't believe his lies and i'm like why is that written there like teddy seems to be giving like good advice and like that sort of thing and says don't believe his lies don't believe his lies and at the very end you see like he wrote that there to like set up this mystery for himself don't believe his lies i i just really love that i think that was
2: really sweet yeah i think it's interesting you bring that up too because that was also of everything in the movie that was the one thing that most interested me again like i said in the first half hour i feel like i figured out most everything except for that and so like i don't know i don't know that's just the sign of a genius there that like yeah <laughs> he's able to like make you think you know everything except like this one thing and then it gets to that point and you and by the time you reach the third act and figure out that one thing, it also reveals a bunch of other things that you thought you knew but didn't actually know. Yeah. So it's just a really engaging structure.
3: A- Andrew, is this the first time you've seen Memento? Yeah, it is, actually. Ah, okay.
2: Yeah, I watched it yeah. yesterday or two days ago. But, two days ago. <laughs> by the yeah. way,
3: have have either of you guys seen his, his first film, uh, The Following? I, no, I have haven't. it
0: on my watch list. I'm planning to watch all this oh, stuff before. It, it's and really it, good. Yeah, that's
2: another um, yeah. like noir type movie too, isn't it?
3: Yep, yeah. it's about a guy who just uh, stalks people for fun. Oh,
2: really? Right and in my
3: just alley. like sta- and starts gaslighting them and stuff. So like just slightly moving stuff around the house just to fuck with them. <laughs> it's, also it's sounds great. like it's a it. Alley, Alex. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but more is just a, a, t- a past time passer activity, not as a, a movie.
0: I don't get paid, it's just, you know, out of self interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's for the art. <laughs>
2: I'm doing this for the fans.
3: <laughs> I did it all for the nookie. <laughs> oh
0: my god. And um another scene that I actually wanted to bring up was um I forgot her name. Natalie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So when uh, Natalie comes back home and like she's her face is like bruised and she's her lip is bleeding and she's like, it's him, Dodd. He he beat the shit out of me and like she's like explaining this whole thing. She's hysterical and I'm like, oh man, who's this Dodd guy? And you see the scene right before that where he actually is the one who punched her and like she like straight up just tells him like I'm going to use you and that whole thing like it completely read redefines this scene before that you just saw. And I also love that they had, like, a little bit of foreshadowing where he, like, looks at her face that's bruised, and then you see him, like, kind of, like, stretch his hand out because he's like, oh my, yep. my knuckles feel sore. And you're like, wait, what what, what happened? And then they show it in the, the way that it sort of, like, throws you for a loop. I, I love that scene.
3: Yeah, I, I was going to point that out, too, is that there are, like, watching, watch it through a second time because now that you actually know this story, like... There are so many things along the line that just point to little little details, and you just excuse me, you just uh, you see that stuff, and you just go, holy shit! There's literally there's like not a single detail missed in Memento. Yeah,
1: it's it, definitely it's really, a very tight story. It's very concise in yeah. the way it's told. I L- think literally there's a lot of little
2: moments that I really yeah, like, just even from like filmmaking stuff, like the way that. They move Natalie into a low angle and they move him into a high angle shot, so it switches the power dynamic as the scene goes on. Or like Sammy sitting in the uh in the what is it, in the hospital at the end. And yeah, and that like, doesn't in the psych Switch. ward and then he passes him and Sammy becomes Leonard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Leonard. Yeah. yeah. Just there were a uh, lot of like short little moments that clearly put it clearly shows that he put a lot of thought into it and i think a lot of thought that like most people wouldn't even begin to consider having to put all that thought into it so it just shows how good he is
3: yeah i mean like it, it's to the level where at one point we were watching it with with daniel
0: uh oh, was it daniel's first time watching it too yep
3: yeah <laughs> and he went, went while we were watching it, daniel went why is his car so dirty and you know oleg was like you, you know that's a pretty minor detail. Who who fucking cares? But then even that comes fucking tied in. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it does. Yeah, and I'm like, this is. That's how brilliant this fucking movie is. Is that there's literally every single aspect of the movie is tied into itself. That's what makes it such a perfect tight movie. Is that there is not a single thread that that leads off to nowhere. There's not a single thread that is like. where does this come from you know like that that doesn't make sense everything is self-motivated within the story and it's truly just masterful masterful writing
1: yeah i don't i will say i don't think that every movie needs to be written like that however this movie knows exactly what it needs to be it does it absolutely perfectly it's a great film by all accounts (laughs) for sure um i think for me the thing that that um kind of stayed with me the most is just how much i know i already said this but just like how much they can change your perspective with like tiniest bits of information just through the way they tell the story like for example the scene where he's like burning his wife's possessions and then the scene before that you see him like uh hiring uh, a hooker to yeah hiring her to do like <laughs> to, to place those things in the apartment and then like go hide in the toilet to wait for him to wake up and forget it like it's it's just beautiful yeah like it's basically yeah i, I love
3: how much he tricks himself in the movie he like later. that was him purposefully
1: yeah. making himself think uh falsely
3: yeah yeah exactly it's literally is everything in this movie like it, the character the character of I'm tr- finding the uh, finding it hard to find the right words to describe it, but like it, it's brilliant. How much Nolan is able to get into the mind space of like this character and is able to, like he's so complex and deep. And I I don't think we see that with really any of the rest of Nolan's characters, at least not in the the characters that we're talking about for the next uh, couple of episodes. But I... like. I, I, don't I mean, maybe Inception. Yeah, I, yeah, I, Inception. I think Dom is a solid character. Dom's a very solid he, character. He is, but I don't think he gets quite to the level of of depth that Leonard has. Like, how many layers of self-deceit, and and, and that's really what the, the story is about. Memento is about deceit and the fallibility of memory, in that, you know... He, he, You are constantly lying to yourself. You're lying to everyone around you. Everybody's lying to themselves and everyone around them. They all want to believe that they're doing right, and they all are tricking themselves into believing that they're doing the right thing. Uh, Maybe Natalie is an exception. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie is content with what she's doing. I don't know if I. Natalie has given up on that.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I agree with you thinking like uh, you said like Leonard's deep and complex. I think he's a very complicated character. Which obviously, yeah, but i think like his goals in mind and all that are quite simplistic like he wants
1: revenge and
0: once but he gets a revenge but he also well, kind of like he well he yeah has the one plot twist the at movie. the end the, the yeah, plot twist yeah, at the end say...
1: implies that like when he was faced with that choice when he was told that um the person he was trying to kill has been dead for a long time killed by leonard a long time ago just forgotten mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't like quit he just gives himself a new... Like, he purposefully deceits himself so that he would kill an innocent... Well, for the sake of this particular crime, an innocent man, just to relive, basically, that satisfaction once again and take the picture and yeah. then put it behind them, presumably. He, he I think what works co- about yeah.
0: Leonard, though, is that he is... I think he's a very complex, kind of simplistic character in a way, where, like, he I, has very... I don't a think very, he's
3: simplistic at all.
0: I think it's quite... Like, it's a very he, simple mindset that he has, where, like, he he has this mystery and he knows like once this mystery is solved like he has that one line where he says my ability to live has been destroyed which is pretty honest like he can't really live a normal life anymore so Uh to like give himself a purpose he just basically keeps creating new mysteries and is like chasing after this goal that he'll never be able to catch in a way which i think is a very like it's a very complex and interesting goal, but it is also kind of simple, which makes it so actually, relatable. I'm not saying it's
1: bad. Like I think that's I one of its don't strengths. I Think I like I might be wrong because they they don't really clarify that that's the case. But I, when I watched the movie, had the feeling that this like final revenge killing that we see in the very beginning of the film is actually the final one, because it was it was a Teddy. Who was actually guiding him to kill new and like more and more I, people in his quest for vengeance but this time like he kills uh teddy and he actually takes a picture and he keeps it so presumably he did that to himself just so that he could have like a satisfying revenge a complete revenge and not one that would just be pointless and forgotten
3: no i i don't think that that's true i don't think that teddy is the last one
1: yeah i, I don't
3: think he's the last one either yeah i i think Also, part part of it is that Leonard is uh, the Camusian hero. He is confronted. We're dragging
0: uh, Camus into this.
3: Yes, of course we're dragging Camus into this. (laughs) My dude. Uh, Whenever I can drag Camus into a conversation, I do. Um, But Camus, you know, it's it's the absurdism. It's he has realized that you know all he longs for is that meaning of the hunt of, you know, the person who raped and killed his wife of John G or Jimmy G, whenever it needs to be. (laughs) Um, But, and he has come to to face the fact that the world is unwilling to give him the satisfaction of that. Uh, That no matter how many times he does it, he can't feel the lingering satisfaction. And so the only satisfaction he can feel is in pursuit of of that satisfaction uh and so he continually creates these mysteries for himself to erase it so like uh uh, part of the reason that I don't think that that, uh, Teddy is the last one is because he Leonard had a point uh, where he could have stopped much earlier and that is, uh, he had the picture of the uh, of the fir- of the actual Janji, right? The or he had a picture of him after. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one of him smiling after. And he burnt both of them. When he was confronted with that, he burnt both of them, and he decided, "I'm going to deny myself, like the realization that I that I succeeded, because at that point his life loses meaning." And so he, I. I'll have to look up the script for the last bit, but I I believe he actually says, like you know, now it's I'm just on an endless cycle of this.
1: Well, yeah, right. I think like I'm not. Obviously, this is a movie that doesn't want to clearly explain every aspect of its story to the audience, and that's and that's absolutely after, yeah, a good thing. You didn't stay after the
0: credits; they actually like you know teased a sequel, and <laughs> yeah, it was Bollywood. Uh, yeah, the it was, the, the right? Memento yeah. cinematic yeah, exactly. universe. <laughs>
1: he he was drafted into the x-men yeah i remember um but there is at the very beginning of the film the reason the reason i still do think that this is the last one he takes a picture of uh dead teddy dead john g the cop and why would he ever do that if his purpose was to deceive himself and continue this uh revenge spree for the sake of satisfaction why would he keep a memento of the last deed he did that just doesn't like add up especially if he's at this point deceiving himself on purpose i i think he there there's a part of him that so this is
3: why i think he's a very complex character is i think there there's a part of him that is that's obsessed with the recording of things right so he because he has this thing where he everything slips away from him He's really obsessed with always recording things and having something to go back to. And so like he, he wants to record the actions, and yet he also does it in a way that allows him to deny things. And he will sometimes erase that evidence if he feels that he really absolutely needs to.
0: Do we see well, what he does with the uh, the photo of Teddy, the the dead body? Uh, of no, I do not. No. no, that's the no, last, see him that's, holding the last it, thing, like, it. that
1: happens in the story is him shaking the picture, which is also the opening, like, credits for the film.
2: Yeah.
0: Because, yeah, I feel like if it sort of ended, like, yeah, it ends with him, like, you know, waving the photo, that sort of thing, he could be setting himself up. Like, the way I interpret it is he sets himself up for another mystery to solve.
1: But... Oh, so, uh, I have a I, I pulled
3: up the script here, and so I have the final voiceover, and I just want to read this out because it's so fucking good. Um, I right, truly, so
0: deeply love you.
3: Here we are.
1: You are blinded by love, or whatever it was.
3: I yeah. Here we are. I have to believe in the world outside my own mind. I have to believe that my actions still have meaning, even if I can't remember them. I have to believe that when my eyes are closed, the world's still there. But do I? Do I believe the world's still there? Is it still out there? Yes. We all need mirrors to remind ourselves who we are. I'm no different. Now where was I? (laughs) That... Oh god, it's so fucking good, man! I love this fucking movie so much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Whoa, Alex, come oh, down there. Holy shit, that's <laughs> fair. Uh, I was, I was, I was on this last week, so.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to read. Apparently, they they attach the uh, short story that's based on to the end of the the screen. Yeah, written
1: by his bro- by Christopher Nolan's brother.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I'm What's I'm, I'm going to need to uh, to read that <laughs> after we're done recording. <laughs> It's kinda cool.
0: It's nice to see him working with his brother.
3: Yeah, yeah, well he does that on a lot of movies. Uh he did it, I believe, following he wrote with his brother.
1: I think they started uh, out as sort of a together career and then they kinda of drifted yeah. apart. Well they wrote Interstellar Together. Ugh. Um
2: Yeah, I can pull him up.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: pull up Jonathan Nolan.
2: Scooby whoop
3: pop. Okay
2: pretty sure they did the dark knight and dark knight rises together as well
3: yeah i'm i, I think that too well it worked yeah, like out okay. one of those times
2: yeah it did oh. dark dark knight dark knight oh, rises no. interstellar memento and the prestige
1: honestly
2: De- dark, dark, dark knight rises heard, is acceptable too. everyone says the he prestige else, is great
3: he also did terminator salvation that was
0: also uh, well that, that
1: was pretty bad oh, <laughs> well
3: no that's awful <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know not not everything we do is a win Wait, he's Sometimes a writer a on the upcoming
3: loss. Fallout TV show? Oh, that's great.
1: They're making a game or a TV show based on the Fallout games, and he's a writer on it. I could not care less, honestly. <laughs> yeah. If you ask me what game I want to film on, Fallout would definitely not be among the top choices. I can well, guarantee Well, Specifically, that. It, it has to be Fallout 4, which list. is the best. Sorry, what?
0: yeah fallout 4 is the best fallout easily just yeah. like, so good yeah yeah, of course it's not a bad game it's it is i don't I think mean, it's a bad, bad game. game it's it, it if you
1: consider game. fallout a bad game then essentially the elder Scroll, the elder scrolls is a bad game too which it's Prats. fine not to like it but like a lot of people do and there's a lot of stuff in those games for you for 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 the player to enjoy but the issue is the stuff that is good about those game series is not the stuff that translates well to film. Yep, that is true.
3: Yeah,
0: and if uh, you want a bad Fallout game, Fallout 76 is always there. So
3: personally, the the one I'm looking forward to is the Last of Us uh, TV show. Yeah, is it
0: guaranteed yet? I don't know why they're making that. I mean, the game is already practically a TV Cha-ching. show. What are you gonna? <laughs> okay, actually, I, I I see why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that's that's a reasonable explanation as to why, but from from a creative point of view the last of us one and two games are already pretty much movies where you just sometimes control your character (laughs) like no no new creative ground can be covered by translating these games into films so soon it's, it's being done by fucking hbo this is gonna be so fucking good uh, yes, it's going to be done by HBO, so uh,
2: Joel oh, and, uh, will probably ben sleep no. with Ellie. No, no. but they have D- the D- original D- writers. D&D are writing the entire script. <laughs> yeah, I, if I had a nickel for every time I've said, I understand that they're making this for money, but from a creative standpoint, dot, 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 I would have so much money. Yeah. Not as I, much
1: as I
3: the people it's... making it. I think, <laughs> too, it, it might not actually be like a straight up uh like <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> I think it's not actually going to be direct from the actual game. I think it's going to be just set in the world of the game.
1: I mean fair, I feel like that's too much of a detour anyway for us but to talk about yeah, right now. Yeah, anyway. You
0: guys want to yeah, jump back on to I think I think we might be done with Memento. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean that's that's kind of what I predicted cuz Memento is just a movie we all love. So we're all just going to yeah. praise it for a little bit and move on
2: fair enough. Question
1: yeah. uh Andrew, what
3: it, are there any faults you find with this film?
2: With Memento? Yeah. Um major things, not really. No. There's a there's a handful of minor things that I think could be tightened up. Like I do think it is a bit too long. I do think that once the editing starts to get really quick between the two timelines, which I understand why it does, but it does so quite a bit i think the natalie subplot for example goes on a bit longer than it has to i think we get the point pretty quickly but but like, again that's so cool that's, that's again that's just okay, i'm thing. i'm just attacking um, you over nothing yeah.
3: i i mean oh like i mean not Oleg. like didn't get that until like literally the scene where it shows uh where it shows... Well,
0: no, no, I like, no, I said from the beginning where, like, I... This is the second time I've seen it, but I saw it the first time with my brother. And when Natalie shows up, I'm like, she's bad news. Yeah. You get the feeling yeah. that she's bad, but, like... Well, the, I mean, yeah, it is the classic
3: f- noir femme fatale.
0: But then she comes back with, like, the bruised-up face. And I'm like, oh, maybe this Dodd dude actually did beat her up. Like, I would have no reason to think that he beat her up. And then she, like, walked back in the room and that whole thing. Yeah, that scene's really good. I thought, like, you know, she actually just, like, off to the side got beat up by her boyfriend or something. Yeah. But then the reveal that he did it. For me, I, was I like, actually oh, was
1: suspecting cool. that he did it, but I wasn't sure. But I still very much enjoyed it. Okay, that's gonna sound fucked up. I still very much enjoyed it when it was revealed that he was the one who did it.
2: Yeah, there are different. definitions of I very much enjoyment enjoyed watching him beat lore, the so. shit
1: out of her. Oh, sorry, what you say? Andrew?
2: <laughs> I said there are very different <laughs> definitions of enjoyment when it comes to film noir. So yeah. like, it's that's fine. Like, <laughs> well, I'm. A, well, no, I, I didn't good enjoy
1: good. seeing a person getting fucking beat up. I enjoyed the yeah, fact yeah. how cleverly like the scene was constructed. That's what I meant.
2: Oh, who, no, who should, I, fin- I, should I finish the stuff i was saying about possible problems i have with memento or, yeah. yeah oh I mean, yeah so sorry okay that. just so we can have it up so i already I was mentioned the other thing about a lot of the cards are laid down for this the most of the cards for the second act are laid down um basically by the end of the first act about 30 minutes in but again the specifics are there so not huge and then the other thing is i really don't like his narration I don't think it's very, it's written well enough. I don't think it's very well delivered and a lot of it just seems, and I get that it's more for like his headspace, but it seems pretty repetitive, pretty uninteresting, pretty explanatory when it doesn't have to be. That's my, my big, it definitely feels like it's doing a film noir narration but doesn't have a noir narration to work off of so it's kind of just a narration without much substance to it
3: mm, I, I, I
0: kind I of see what, what you mean but i i i i think the black and white segments aren't as interesting as the color segments because it's
1: you know, i mean that that's for sure yeah but uh, I, it's just the, like the way the story is the set up yeah really because they, the thing is okay. another thing i think about this is that the black and white segments, you're actually experiencing as a, as, a, as a normal story. So there is no intrigue to it. You just, you want you watch a slice of, like, movie. Then you wait some time and you watch another slice of movie. And, and you get, like, half a movie by the end of it. Whereas with uh, the actual highlight of the film, the part of the story that goes from end to the middle, that's where they continuously recontextualize and where they have all the twists, except for maybe that one, like phone twist where he tattoos the drug dealer onto his body but i just think it's it it was there it's it's much shorter every every chunk from the black and white um storytelling is much shorter and it's just there to give the the introduction to the story that's all it is
3: i think it also that is its own kind of short horror film i think like i i love that the, this setup where, like, you, you keep coming back to this, and he's talking on the phone, he's talking on the phone. And, like, the person on the phone convinces him to... Well, that's uh, what like, I referred to thing. when
1: I said the drug dealer thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to tattoo drug dealer, like, that he's a drug dealer on his body. And then, like, just a couple of minutes later, he peels up the thing, the fresh tattoo, and says, Don't answer the phone. And it's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. <laughs> and he has, he doesn't have time he can't undo you know tattooing he's a
1: drug dealer, a drug dealer. on his body I, I guess he could have left a note to himself even though tattoos are usually like over notes in his hierarchy he could have been like this particular note is like i don't star it exclamation pointed but yeah
2: i'm nitpicking yeah i've no major flaws with this yeah i was gonna say i think that's the the thing is i yeah i don't really see too many major flaws with this movie except for the three things i listed and most like everything else is just and even those things are pretty minor this is just a really well-made film it's really well done there's not too much to dislike about it (laughs) okay andrew why did why did you choose this movie hello so it should be very little surprise that i am the person who chose dunkirk um The reason I chose this movie is because, for me, the most important aspect of film isn't so much the story or the characters as it is more the technical aspects. That's not a universal law that I hold everyone to, that's just how I personally like to view movies and critique film, because it's more straightforward than story and character, which are more subjective to emotional response, and so... I think that of all these movies i do think dunkirk is the most technically flawless of them i also think that it's pretty i think it's a movie that got somewhat overlooked to a certain extent at least within the filmography of nolan because it is at the same time it's one of his more accessible and least accessible works and so it kind of leaves it in this weird middle ground I think it's a lot more ambitious than it's given credit for not so much in its storytelling which i'll admit is kind of lacking but just in the way that it helms itself and the way that it presents itself as an experience it presents itself as an experience of cinema not so much character driven or narrative narrative driven but driven just by the idea of trying to put you in the shoes of these people and in a day and age where a lot of uh cinema and specifically television is pushing more and more towards storytelling being specifically character focused and sometimes maybe story based more than character action based uh dunkirk stands pretty much alone along with say maybe mad max fury road as an example of cinema doesn't have to be just storytelling it can be more experiential in the vein of something like 2001 a space odyssey was And so that's why I wanted to talk about it.
0: And your ranking.
2: Oh, my ranking. Yeah, so I would say probably (coughs) Dunkirk first. I have a real hard time between Inception and Memento because I just saw Memento recently. But that's a hot tie for second place at the moment. And then Interstellar is a good margin behind these three. (laughs) Um I still think I like Interstellar more than the other people on this podcast, but it just doesn't rack up. These are three phenomenal films. You probably do. You Um, probably
3: do. If you don't absolutely loathe it, you like it more
2: than me.
0: (laughs) I think it's okay.
2: Yeah, I I actually Mm. think Interstellar is pretty pretty good. but um, Not great, but pretty good. Um, So yeah, I am willing to take any fire you will throw at Dunkirk and I will do my best to defend it
1: can i
3: uh, two words aspect ratio
1: yeah aspect okay, ratio okay that i will defend but we
2: can get to that
1: <laughs> yeah. okay i, I i'm going to i'm going to go into my intro statement and i will say that um i'm not the biggest fan of special effects for the sake of special effects i did not really like 2001 a space odyssey as i will say in an upcoming podcast of ours um <laughs> that we didn't happen to have already recorded by the way
0: it's totally not
1: yeah Uh, I think that this movie is, as Andrew has already admitted, very lacking in storytelling. But not only is it simplistic, it's a lot of what happens in it is practically pointless. And very often the effects just exist in the movie for the sake of showing off. They don't contribute to any overarching um, narrative, message, idea, um, even emotion, really. It's there to awe you in the theater. And that's about it. Which I guess it succeeds at because when I saw that movie in the theater back in like what was it, 2016, 2017, yeah. thought it was okay. Then we rewatched uh, Alex and I. We rewatched all the movies before that that were chosen before this podcast. You rewatched Interstellar. Yes, we did. It was it was rough, but we did. Like, oh my god! And I, I will I have, have to say, throat. I will have to say that Dunkirk, A lot. without the theater experience, was one of the most boring fucking movie experiences that I've ever had in my life. Maybe not as boring as 2001, I will say that much. But, yeah, not a fan. Not
0: I a guess fan. I, I might hop in after all, like, just because it'll be a different different sort of feeling for the movie. But personally, I kind of... I, I love Dunkirk, but I don't think it's perfect. I think what holds it back from like me loving as much as Andrew does or whatever is like i think if you you can't see but i started waving my hands up in the air going as much as andrew loves it but no mocking i will say but i i think yeah i love this movie for its technical aspects i think it does a really good job it's sort of like making you feel this is going to sound like an ign review but making you feel like you're at dunkirk sort of a thing where like (laughs) the way it's filmed the way like the sound editing and just everything is like it's basically perfect like technically i think it does a very good job at like immersing you into the environment into the warfare and i was kind of surprised that it was a pg-13 movie because it's quite violent very um very haunting in that sort of way where you're like oh wow this is this was a brutal brutal time and i personally didn't really find an issue with the aspect ratios like they change but i thought that like they, they shift to a different one whenever they go to like into the sky for the like, okay, plane can combat. i ask a
1: question here yeah. I I legitimately do not know because I, uh, whether or not they cut the aspect ratios to, to what, I don't know, to a proper format for theater releases. <laughs> but I do not remember seeing that in the theater. Maybe I was just young and stupid. It was like, what, three years ago? Yeah, I guess I could. It was a
2: simpler time. I think. Yeah,
1: I guess the, there is a possibility I didn't notice it, but holy shit, it was rough watching it in my living room, like on a home screen. Wow. I,
2: I think they did because i know like for sure like transformers whenever they play that that movie has three aspect ratios that it switches to between like three different shots and it's cancerous
0: and is that way on the home dvd and it's also that way on
2: the home dvd um i saw i saw dunkirk twice both times i saw it wasn't an imax theater um and so like it would have been, I, I'm pretty sure they did the switch. It's a bit harder to, the movie was made to be distributed in IMAX. It was made specifically with the intent of being an IMAX focus release. And so it, it worked just fine in that format because like even when an IMAX screen adds an extra 40% to itself, it's so friggin' big that like you don't even really realize when it switches over. You just kind of like let it wash over you. But I think in the theater, I think in the theater, it did keep the changing aspect ratios, because that's in line with other Nolan works. Like people complained a lot about Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises having that issue too. So yeah, I think it was. Did they there. though? I don't remember that issue because in Dunker <laughs> it's so
1: blatant, it's impossible not to notice.
3: Yeah, it it really was. The moment we noticed it, we were just. I think it almost became a drinking game. every time they switch the aspect ratio drink
1: it was absolutely horrible and the thing is like it's not even just for scenes that are like technically stunning sometimes like in the middle of a conversation they will just do like an anime style close-up where they just change the aspect ratio on one character's face and don't do that for the other character's face and i'm like nolan why
3: oh like it's even worse than that it wasn't just sometimes it was not the, uh, like, big explosive moments. It was almost never the big explosive <laughs> moments. Those ones r- were always shot in normal s- normal <laughs> things because they couldn't get a camera close to the sinking boat because the IMAX cameras are too expensive. Oh, no, they
0: actually no. sunk an IMAX w- camera making this movie. Yeah, yeah and they probably
3: exactly. were
2: very unhappy about that. <laughs> Those things yeah, are expensive. It,
3: <laughs> they Instead, is always a bunch of close-ups of some people, like, sitting around talking, like, so uh so how are we gonna get off this this rock how are we gonna get off this beach
1: yeah as much as i appreciate the humor of just like the anime close-up as i said of just like <laughs> not even on both sides of the conversation but just somebody's like face closing up on it like it didn't have to be there it really didn't
3: it's, well uh, it, the, i mean really the reason was it was
2: there was for technical limitations too
3: then the, fucking resize it in the release
1: I
2: mean,
3: Lord. It, with all, with all due respect, you
1: don't, like, you could just film all conversations in the normal aspect ratio. The IMAX aspect ratio does not need to be present when two characters are talking.
2: Yeah, I yeah. mean, I I, I I, do agree with that. I think the resizing could have made sense, especially for, like, the conversations and stuff like that. But, like, I mean, for, but for even... like, the bigger moments, it would have been, like, really... It would have been kind of frustrating to go from an 18K image down to, like, a 2 or 4K image and then back up again would be really, like, that would be really cumbersome in some of the bigger scenes. But, I, yeah, in the, I mean, in the it, conversations, it, I not, agree with you. Are, are you saying it's not
3: cumbersome to, in, in the scenes where it's, you know, you're in the middle of, like, a ship battle and it's like, you know, they're dropping bombs and stuff and then all of a sudden it cuts and now there's black bars and then all of a sudden, nope, there's not black bars anymore it's just like uh,
1: yeah it was like, disorienting i i, 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 like, that, I
3: like that i like changes in aspect ratio when it's when it's fucking intentional
1: quentin like tarantino
3: that, yeah exactly like we
2: talked or, a little um, bit oh, about this, this movie
0: future. actually um penguins of madagascar they had a really good shift yeah.
2: to the uh i'm, yeah, I'm not but, i'm not
0: even kidding they actually had a shift to imax in that yeah i
2: was gonna say wes anderson <laughs> but, <does> i mean <laughs> all like, of the they're, marvel they're, movies they're, and star wars movies do it too like marvel and star yeah, wars they movies they normally shoot like bars. one or two scenes and then they're like oh and now we're going back well if yeah, you see will, it in, if from you the see perspective it IMAX, of a they it, but they they change it for regular release but if they shoot yeah. it in an imax they they keep why it. didn't dunkirk <laughs> just change it well because that's more of a because it's sort of purist. like it yeah i mean that really is that is the argument like there's actually a a decent number of people on um like red and other forums who are really mad that marvel doesn't release the changing imax aspect ratios on their blu-ray discs because that is how it was originally shot and that is how the artist originally created it so it's more of a keeping the intent sort of thing
1: i would much rather keep the intent hidden if that made for a better film
2: (laughs) if his intent is
3: to (laughs) fucking randomly shift around between aspect ratios keep your intent yeah,
1: I mean if in my opinion, if the intent just makes for a worse film by a considerable margin, I'm like, I'm okay. I don't I don't really need it. There, there are, there, it's very seldom that you'll hear me uh, vote for death of the author.
3: Uh, but this is this is one case where I'm like, yeah, death of the author. Yeah.
2: I guess the one reason I it. give Christopher Nolan more of a pass than other people is because his entire filmography has been him trying to get a film shot entirely in IMAX. 65 millimeter and like it just well actually it did happen because tenet was finally the movie where they finally said here you go you can shoot the whole film in imax 65 millimeter so that movie should be the first film ever shot at least this won't be switching thing yeah but, um but, but what like, does
3: that have to do with aspect ratio
2: <laughs> well because the regular as because 35 millimeter film doesn't have the imax aspect ratio this imax 65 millimeter aspect ratio is very specific
0: it's like right, in between between sixteen it, by nine and the uh, letterbox sort of thing.
3: Yeah, it's it's yeah. Really it's, it's, you, you, yeah you, it's, under, you understand what I'm saying though? Is that like you're saying, like his goal all along was to achieve, you know, a full fully IMAX movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's
2: been getting slightly so, better. Each of his uh, releases have right. had slightly more IMAX footage, and,
3: and and you can and you can still pursue IMAX. But you can also do that. While hiding the fucking aspect ratio change, <laughs> I don't care if he had to clip off shit from, from the actual, from like the regular camera, or if he had to clip off shit from the IMAX version. Either way, just clip off something so that it looks right. So that I don't have to keep resetting my brain every cut. As, oh, is this going to be IMAX? Okay, I guess we're having borders now. You know? Like, you can pursue that. Hundred percent IMAX marker, but the audience should be not aware of that. They shouldn't be able to tell, like, oh, this was shot on a better camera than this other cut that was five seconds earlier. Because that—that's how you. The more the audience is aware of a cut, and the more the audience is aware of like, oh, they're doing this thing, the less, like, technically, like, sound it is,
1: right? Not only the less technically sound, but also the more it takes you out of the movie and the experience exactly. overall. Exactly, because it yeah, makes you aware set... to the fact that it's yeah. a film. It's an experiential movie, like you were saying. Like,
3: there's really very little in the way of narrative going on. Nothing that that would really capture your interest. It's so really you...
1: fu- is really fucking boring. Yeah.
3: yeah, and so if you get taken out of the experience, uh, out of the experience of you know, like in the theaters you can get swept away from it, with it like and I did I loved the movie in theaters but watching it at a home like you know a TV oh my god I wanted to blow my fucking brains out because that movie was so fucking boring <laughs> okay
2: yeah Ugh. I think I think it is fair to note there though that both you and Oleg said you got swept away with it in theaters which means that the okay, issue for you was I
1: didn't say that I didn't say okay. that I said that I thought it was okay at theaters
2: Okay, but did you notice the changing aspect ratio in theaters because it was there? Admittedly, I did not. So if you didn't notice, so the movie, a movie is made to be shown
1: in a theater, right? Not, well, actually, no, not necessarily.
0: Well, not after you package it
1: on a DVD. Yeah, I think the movie is made to be shown. That's, that's where it, like, that's where you put the full stop.
0: No, I think a movie is made for the theater experience, unless it's released directly to okay. streaming. I, yeah, setting. I don't think so,
2: because so a, mo- a movie, movie is shot The movie for... is
1: made for the first, like, at most three months of its, like, existence, and then it's, like, you can't experience it well, in the I way mean, it was you're, intended you're, you're, to be experienced. Yeah, but, like let, like, let me special... explain where
2: I'm coming from on this, because, like, you want... The big problem that everyone had with the battle scenes towards the end of Game of Thrones was that you couldn't see it, and the reason was... Because television needs to be something that's shot for. Well, also the last season of Game of Thrones was horrible. Yeah, like almost every regard. It It doesn't my problem. But like specifically, like the lighting in those scenes. The reason it's a problem is because if you're you're watching something on television, something that's made for television, it needs to be brighter. It needs to be focused on the front two speakers specifically. Whereas, if you're making a movie which is primarily meant to be shown in a dark space with surround sound, you shoot it darker so it doesn't look the same as when you play it on a television set. You shoot and you create it with the idea that the sound is supposed to be more immersive than what television speakers can offer you. So, it's not really fair to judge a movie. You should really, if you can, judge a film based on how it is in the theater. And if you both think it's better in a theater, which is how it's originally meant to be shown, then how is that an issue?
0: It's kind of like um, there's a similar there thing is... with the Oscars where um, they send out like DVD screeners. And then the people in the academy, when they're like, you know, judging how good a movie is, they judge it based on the DVD screener on their home TVs instead of watching it in theaters in like many cases, which I think is like. You like would you agree that like seeing the lighthouse is much better in theaters than like at home? Okay, I don't seeing, I don't think like... it's
1: the same point. I really don't think it's the same point Wait, that no, no. you and Andrew are making. And I 100% agree that for people who are actually rating movies um watching them on a the big screen. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you on this.
0: You know, it's a little different where like I guess it's not I think it is kind of the same argument where it's kind of like there is a difference between like, you know, watching something at home versus, like, on the theater. And then I was just bringing up another example. Well, like the I mean, no,
1: I think it's a it's a fair argument to bring up. Even, like, I, I see where Andrew is coming from with this, too. I 100% agree with you. But my perspective on movies, like, theater experience versus home experience in general, is that it is okay to aim your movie either at a TV experience or a home experience or a movie theater experience. The issue is that... um. It doesn't mean that you have to be so short-sighted as to make your movie completely unwatchable in other, like settings. When you know your movie will be watched in other settings, and frankly, movie theaters are very short-term ways to experience most movies unless they become cult classics. Uh, well, in so the, it's just the other, like it's know, just I, short-sighted.
2: I, I I I it, definitely agree, and I also think that reasons. like the the argument I will say like, I I stand by it. But I will say that it is definitely more applicable to movies like say like 2001 a space odyssey or ben-hur or lawrence of arabia which were movies made at a time when they knew that like they would be shown in theaters and then probably would not be shown anywhere else bar maybe television but studios were very picky about giving away the rights so like back then it made more sense because movies were meant to be shown in theaters and only theaters whereas now we know it's going to end up somewhere else I was gonna say
3: the the other thing too is that you, you lose that defense of like the like the way it's supposed to be seen is in theater once it goes to home release, right? Unless you have so, like a really nice home theater or something, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, well, no, but it, if you're putting it out on Blu-ray and or DVD, you cannot say I'm expecting them to watch this in a movie theater.
1: Right, a lot of movies I actually adapt, adapt, when, adapt the yeah. footage to be better on Blu-ray, for example. That exactly. is done to some films, and I think that's okay. I, yeah, exactly. They,
3: you, when you are p- packaging it for a home release, you have to adapt it so that it's fucking watchable. Right. If,
0: yeah, I I found it pretty watchable.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just I, I just watched it at home. I did not have time to rewatch it before this, but and it was pretty
0: good I, uh, I have you it.
3: seen it on the on, on a home home theater yeah we, we uh,
2: bought andrew. a new tv so i just watched no, it no no like...
3: uh, but andrew ha- have you seen it on just a tv
2: no i haven't seen it in home release okay i will i will, I will okay. admit that
3: i i okay before we record the next episode i need you to watch it on just a regular tv and then come back to me and tell me that it's not horrid <laughs> okay yeah
2: we can cover that in it, the next it, podcast yeah but Yeah, I mean, I'm used to changing aspect ratios because I try and see things in IMAX when I can. So I've seen a ton of so like for me, I've seen a ton of movies where I've seen the aspect ratio change and it doesn't bother me as much as it probably does other people so well, maybe we'll just have again, to agree to disagree i am normally not bothered in, in theaters, by this because yeah.
1: this is the only movie where that was such an issue for me yeah i think it's not only the watch fact of changing aspect. The last
2: night. i was gonna say transformers
1: <laughs> well, movies gonna, are i don't want to watch awkward. it actually the issue there is i i i'm already i already know that i'm not gonna enjoy that movie so it That's sounds fair. like the aspect ratios are gonna take anything away from me but like this is the only time where I not only blatantly noticed it, but like it was consistently taking me out. I think not only because of its um, because of its prevalence, but also because of how actually prevalent it was. Like every other scene, there's like f- two or three switches, and it like hurts. Yeah,
3: I was gonna say that that's part of that thing where you were saying you know it's seventy five percent of the movie is IMAX. That actually kind of hurt the movie because, like. normally if you think you see you know the aspect ratio switch and you really only see it switch one way like your brain only picks up on it when the black bars come in they don't notice it when the black bars drop out and so in a normal film where there's not a huge amount of IMAX you see the black bars come in out of the corner of your eye and you go what was that did I see something and you don't consciously register it. you'd go like oh that was weird I feel like something's a little bit off but and then it slowly drops out and you don't notice it and then maybe at some point later it comes back in but this since it's constantly popping in and out it's it's really shot by shot is it flipping a coin is it going to be with black bars or not and And frankly we didn't notice it from
1: like the first time it happened we didn't notice it we both had that feeling is like Wait, yeah is some wait wait and yeah then because it's so you frequent, notice something but you're willing yeah. to
3: like just kind of push it off because you're like i probably just miss saw something and then at some point during it i i turned to oleg and i went did you see that did you see something weird happen
1: yeah And i was like fuck yeah i think it's the aspect ratio and we were like no yeah. and and then it, it's noticeable from then on yeah yeah it definitely and then, took yeah, away for from the rest experience. of the night we're just going
3: what the fuck is going on <laughs> stop it <laughs> Even Interstellar didn't have that issue. Yeah, Interstellar didn't do the aspect ratio switching.
1: No, it didn't. Maybe Although once it didn't again have they just cuts. adjusted <laughs> it for home release. It might I, th- yeah,
2: I thought that's... it did. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty sure. I saw. I also saw that in IMAX. We
3: we watched the version that's on the FX Now app. Uh, so we got. <laughs> yeah, th- that is
1: literally the TV version. We had to watch it with, like, it was funny because wait, you watched were, like,
2: Interstellar on FX. That's, yeah, in uh, fairness, the last not, time I watched Interstellar was app. also on FX, the actual cable station. So. I thought I
0: gave you guys the, uh, the the thing. What thing? That um, my parents bought Interstellar, so I have it on
1: my. Oh, I I account. I don't think if you told me that I, I must have forgotten.
0: Yeah, I told you because I the Fire Stick is connected to it, but um, yeah. Well, either yeah. way, we already <laughs> watched <laughs> it. Well, it's,
1: well, it's, it's, it's
2: a good thing.
3: to all that, those horrible ads. Fuck. I was gonna say it's I a mean, good
2: thing honestly, that three of us they... last watched it on FX with ads, like. <laughs> we all have that no the thing experience. is the funny
1: part is that we didn't watch interstellar with ads there were commercial like there were cuts from the movie to commercial like the fade outs and, and then, then just can. cut back to the movie that well, was need, ridiculous you need to
0: rewatch the movie
3: now just normally
2: yeah come on
0: yeah exactly.
3: no no, no. <laughs> I, I, I think we're good I'll, i think we're good yeah. i'll put it this way while watching the movie i was counting down the time between ads so that i would have the ad break to give myself a release from having to watch that fucking
1: movie that's horrible interstellar is rough
3: i will say that's how much i hate that fucking movie i hate it with all so much
1: i feel like we're wrapping up
2: on dunkirk um,
1: do we want to talk about anything aside from the aspect ratio? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah I, I thought say. about one
2: thing. Yeah, we can. We're gonna cut, cut that conversation down a lot because that was a very yeah, repetitive um,
1: conversation. I think the movie is just really boring, and like the yeah. aspect ratio has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's just like 2001. I think like I I think that it's a movie that exists for its effects and for how te- technically like advanced it is. However, the story doesn't like offer anything the effects even when they are used they don't really contribute anything to the story they just look pretty and surprisingly enough watching um consistent like explosions ships sinking planes shooting should be fun and it is for the first 20 like minutes or so but then it it's so boring and it's such a long movie it really drags it's actually not yeah, that's long. not that long it's only
0: all. 106 minutes it might be the
2: shortest movie in his filmography yeah, aside you know, from the in that like, in that uh, case it speaks volumes for how horribly it drags
1: marathon.
2: yeah i Holy disagree hell. with just about every word
1: of that but <laughs> uh, but i mean we already know i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm just gonna finish my point because no, i go just ahead, like you came, right, in, you came into my head but like we already know from last year's nineteen seventeen, that a war movie that combines both a technical, like achievement with an actual existing storyline can be a thing. So like, what, what, why not? I guess. Yeah. I I will well, say I. What's the
3: point in not having a story? I. We know he can write a good story. I
0: I think we're gonna disagree on like this next thing I'm about to say, but I think that Dunkirk does a better job at sort of like getting you in like immersing you within we will you're gonna you're about to disagree hard on this one but yeah i think that uh, dunkirk does a better job at immersing you into the event and into the like just what is happening more so than 1917 where basically the whole time like it's a good movie i like 1917 but i was really disinterested just about the whole way through because it kind of just felt like a simulated video game the whole time
1: yeah i mean what what about 1917 feels like a video game that doesn't feel like a video game about dunkirk
0: i mean dunkirk has cuts and editing in that sense so like you would go from one gloriously shot like sequence of a ship like you know sinking and that whole thing to then like the next scene of the guys like you know trying to keep quiet as they're being shot at to shouldn't, then you have the whole make, like plane shouldn't fight. Shouldn't the lack
3: of cuts make it feel more experiential and more like real life? It should, but I
0: think like it's really well edited, so it sort of keeps the flow of the movie going in a way that doesn't well, feel unnaturally. Yeah, I think what the I think the thing about
2: nineteen seventeen really is not so much that is not really so much in the like one take itself it's in the fact that like in order to keep a movie interesting when it's like one take you kind of have to keep throwing in things that like probably would not happen so like the plane coming in over the farm like that probably wouldn't happen and certainly would not happen in that exact way in such close proximity to everything else going on in their lives it felt like an uncharted cutscene and it feel and it's not it just everything in and of itself felt kind of real enough but because it was one take and most of war is just sitting around and because everything was so close to each other it didn't quite feel right whereas with dunkirk which is a well-known situation which was a situation that had constant stuff going on and because of the three timelines you get the people on the boat who sit around for a while so it gives you that aspect you have the plane which is really really fast and that like, a really short amount of time, and that gives you that slight of adrenaline rush that you get rather than the slow moving of the people on the boat. And then you get the moving... And then you get the one day of the people driving... Or, not driving. I don't know what... The, boating. <laughs> driving on the water. Yeah, yeah, driving on the water. Yeah, they grabbed their BMWs and went for it. Um, the That one day kind of emphasizes more of the, like, immediacy of everything. So you get all these different aspects of war that, like, 1917 because it's more of one straight thing doesn't give you that all-encompassing view and that's why Dunkirk to me doesn't feel like as much of a video game as 1917 does um I have
1: something to say to that um I, I I do understand where you're coming from but I I fundamentally disagree about why 1917 feels different I will admit that the the order of events as they happened in nineteen seventeen is indeed very unlikely, whereas Dunkirk was an actual historical situation in the movie, relatively with a considerable amount of historical yeah. creativity. Of we course, we can talk about that. Um, no, I mean I'm okay. I the, my <laughs> point I mean, is that I'm okay with it isn't either way. Either. I don't think there's any war movie that's really. Well yeah, no, and my You're point is, accurate. I'm okay with yeah, both yeah. of those instances. Like saying, an accurate war movie Dunkirk, would
2: literally be people sitting around a Microsoft Office yeah, for time Yeah, so what I'm saying is, Dunkirk, going Dunkirk is a more historical <laughs> film,
1: and that's acceptable. Um, yeah. And I am willing to suspend my disbelief for both of them. If if you couldn't, if you could suspect your disbelief for Dunkirk and couldn't for 1917, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Dunkirk is clearly more true to life for sure. However, I don't think that is what makes 1917 feel more engaging. I think it's the fact that we have a consistent point of view from um, the two characters and then later, I guess, spoiler alert, the one character um, (laughs) who experiences all of this shit. Whereas in Dunkirk, we get multiple points of view, but none of them are really character- like none of them are truly characterized except for um, the boy who escapes on the boat and like pretty much gets offed halfway through the movie so there's that and the frenchie who pretends to be a brit but also (laughs) like he he, he's such a passive protagonist like he doesn't actually do anything he's just along for the ride
0: that's kind of one thing i actually kind of like about dunkirk is there's not a protagonist like, so there's, there's no one yeah, there's to no relate one to. there's no one to care about either. Yeah, because exactly. Usually I mean, it's when kind of the same thing in 2001, War. where there's not really a main protagonist throughout the entire movie. No, not really. Which is a movie I also really don't like. not like, and I also
2: really love. So. But, wow, there you go.
0: Because, like, one thing I really love about Dunkirk is, again, like, it shows the event from these different perspectives. You have the dogfight, you have the... I forgot their names, but um, the Harry Styles like, guy, like trying to get onto the ship. <laughs> yeah. Then you got the I didn't the think asshole. they had names. I oh, will be the honest. when the credits yeah. rolled
2: their names. I was like, oh, these characters had names. Interesting.
0: No, they probably just had like you know like one of those like bingo but, things, and
2: they yeah.
3: just like here's <laughs> the, rolled out a name. For here's people. the thing, Inish. The, the thing is, they if that that is a great way to tell us a story, but you can also do that while actually making a story.
0: I mean, I guess, or but that you know, wasn't presenting the, the movie. The movie was to I, I was... Inc- was to like show, represent, and create an experience of what Dunkirk was like in this viewpoint, and
3: yeah, the movie and and that. you would get a lot more of that if you actually sympathized or cared about any of the characters. I mean, if you actually cared about what was happening, imagine how much more impact that movie would have. I just w- imagine how how much that would feel if if you saw the ship going down, or you just saw this kid get fucking brained. And you actually cared what happened to him. I mean, if he, if was he pretty... wasn't just a if he wasn't just a faceless, nameless pawn. If you if you could remember his name, imagine how much more impact that would have.
0: I mean, that is kind of also a part of war, where it's kind of like you don't really. I,
1: you, I mean, kind of,
2: in war, you can at least there.
3: care for yourself.
0: You my
2: know critique your own name. A little okay, different. that, that care for yourself thing, I would like to latch onto that. I'll let Ola go first, though, if you want. Yeah, to.
1: I will say my critique was not as much of um, you need to care about the characters, which you typically want to do, but that's not my point, per se. My point is that um, no matter how good the effects are and how stunning and how close they put the camera to the explosions, etc., etc., <laughs> we are not going to be afraid of war on the other side of the screen because we are chilling at our home or in a theater eating, like, popcorn and other snacks, and, like, it's, it's never going to be the same. But the way to make us experience something that's happening on the screen is to let the movie experience war through the eyes of a particular protagonist, which is something that 1917 absolutely 100% does and Dunkirk doesn't really do. I do. Oh, sorry. Here, go
0: ahead. Sorry,
2: sorry. I will say. um, So one uh, here's one reason I think Dunkirk is overlooked and underappreciated, is because Dunkirk makes you by not really having a main protagonist to follow in any of these three cases. Dunkirk more or less kind of makes you the protagonist in all those three things. And let me no. I don't. And uh, like, let me explain. So. It doesn't really like it, the whole point is to kind of like put you there and to kind of give you a perspective of what's going on. But by neglecting a protagonist, it doesn't give you that ability to separate yourself that like it's more it's like a comfort that you normally have is like it's how hap- like I can feel what's going on like a horror movie or like I feel scared by this. But, like, you know, like, at least it's not me. It's them. Whereas, and this kind of takes away that comfort net. And it kind of puts you there in an extra degree that you wouldn't normally get. It's not traditional storytelling whether or not it's effective is entirely up to you but it is new and it is different and we know that christopher nolan can craft a protagonist this wasn't him being lazy this was him trying something different whether you think it works or not is up to you but i think can i ask you one question
1: one sorry alex can i ask you one question yes uh, a- Andrew is in sorry Alex for interrupting and can I ask one, th- <laughs> one question? Fuck you, mate, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am here. Fuck ask you me t- Do you think it's possible to like I was also thinking of a horror movie as you were saying that and I was very much relieved that you used it as an example, the genre as an example. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine an effective horror movie where we are, so to speak, left alone with the monster without someone actually being in danger in the film? No. I don't. Here's a good example. But I think you can do that. With, what about you yeah? Do I, don't, I don't. Think, do I don't. I think. Heavy. You, I
2: think you could possibly do it without having like one like the final girl. Like I think if you were well, in a group of like five people, without a defined like protagonist, I think that could. Work. I think it's it doesn't have to have to be but do you think a they have to have dragons, character? They would have to be
1: like, yeah, characters that have yeah. some sort of quirks that they care about. What, what, what if like...
3: everybody wore a mask and nobody said anybody's name, and you oh, were I mean, unable okay, to tell anyone? From extreme one
1: examples. Extreme examples are not going to help everything. Well, but... no, but I mean, in Dunkirk, okay, it, it might used, as well I'm... be that because may they all look please, exactly the may same. Nobody use a, a slightly better example. <laughs>
0: all of them look the same the dumb british until until dawn (laughs) i mean yes (laughs) which is a video game and not a movie absolutely
1: shitty stereotypical not interesting as people characters however they Mm -hmm. all have simple quirks we know what they want simply on the level of like what they're interested in at school and which girl slash boy they're into in that horror setting and it's all like relatability we need to know to just put ourselves in their minds ever so slightly to care for them even though most of them are despicable
0: i honestly boring, think it would have like...
1: uninteresting clichés until dawn is like a game that almost everybody loved which has like only that minimal characteristics
0: but i mean and... that is also playing off the tropes of like the horror genre and that, that that's a different genre oh, entirely then okay
1: well i'm saying uh, it, i'm saying it wouldn't work if we didn't have at least some sort of relatability for those characters uh, In, I'll, even I'll give, given how minimal it was
2: yeah i will say that uh, like dunkirk as an as a well sorry alex i promise i'll let you go god damn it be, i apologize <laughs> dunkirk as a historical event kind of and i'm not, I, like i will say that like i don't think dunkirk the should, movie or the battle dunkirk the movie i will say i don't think this is necessarily like this is something that i would also kind of take a little bit of issue with but like because it's based on a well-known real event and because you know that the people you're watching are like supposed to be real people that actually went through this that kind of sympathy is more or less built in for you in a way that like horror because it's wholly fantastical just doesn't have so like whether dunkirk you know haphazardly capitalize on this or whether it planned to like it does have that built in it's a lot easier for war to do because you know war is real there was (laughs) uh there was one review of dunkirk that i read that i actually like i since i didn't see it out of theaters but like it put into perspective like someone who i think was thinking ahead to home release in the same way that you guys are talking about it and the review like the short nugget of the review on rotten tomatoes was like this seems like nothing more than a war movie that your grandpa will fall asleep while watching on the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, honestly, like oh everyone's laughing. Cause that you fits. know exactly that, that like Dunkirk, like Dunkirk, definitely. It is, it is. I don't think it is, a, is, but like, it, it is. is kind of, it is, you know, kind of like, like I, when I was like six years old, my dad sat me down to watch like Midway and Tora, Tora, Tora in the longest day. So I have been watching like I've been watching war movies that people fall asleep to on the couch since I was literally
3: 6 years old. We have we have one more topic I want to do and that is comparing the use of time in Memento versus the use of time in Dunkirk.
2: Significantly better in Memento. I think we can all agree yes. on that. Oh, yeah. In Dunkirk, it doesn't
1: like there is no point it to it. It contributes nothing. Yes. Because the thing is like in Memento, there is a story purpose to it. In Dunkirk, even if you are the type of person who says, <laughs> it's like I cool like Dunkirk because, because of, of the lighting. effects, and I don't think, like, I don't invalidate you. I think that's a legitimate position to have, to like Dunkirk because the effects are great, which they are. But there is no technical brilliance in just writing a story so that events don't go in order. It's pointless. There is no purpose for that in the film, unlike Memento. It does not change anything in the emotions you feel it's just there to confuse you even more
0: i like one one part of it where it kind of shows like like i agree it's used much better in memento and i don't think it's like necessary for dunkirk i do kind of like seeing how like these three events happen at like different times sort of a thing where like i think the, the the part of them like sailing out and like you know to on the like pleasure craft that was like a day right
2: yeah that was the one day
0: that was the one day the plane was like a few hours and then the other one was like three days or something like that thought the other one was a week but something like it's I, yeah. the longest one yeah i kind of like sh- I, I liked how they showed like you know the the different struggles between all three sort of storylines and how like i don't know like weaving them in this way kind of kept it interesting it was kind of cool i thought but i
1: didn't see a point to it like i see yeah. like i, I watched the boat scene and i see a plane falling and i'm like yeah i know it's the plane but but why do i need this like why <laughs> it kind of <laughs> reminded why me I... of
0: um there's a movie jim jarmusch mystery train it kind of felt like that, where it's kind nope, of like... haven't
3: seen that one. <laughs> really, I, I love that movie.
0: But um, it kind of reminded me of, like... It's basically, like, three different little stories, and each of them happening over the course of, like, one night. However, like, the way... Like, the first one is, like, the longest one. So, like, they show, like, the process of one night over, like, an hour. Then the next one's, like, a bit shorter. Last one's, like, about the same length as the second one. And all three of them intersect at, like, certain spots exactly, which is kind of like what Dunkirk did. Where, like, there's little points where they kind of intersected. And, again, like, is it necessary? Not really. Well, yeah, but why? Yeah, again, it's <laughs> well, yeah, not yeah necessary, I was going to say, but... yeah, the... yeah.
2: I mean, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Alex. Oh, okay. So um, polite. After fuck. you, Alex. Uh,
3: yeah, we both said go ahead at the same time. Inish go.
2: It's just polite. Right, Einish, <laughs> <laughs> continue. No, go ahead, Alex. It, it, oh, okay.
3: I was literally saying, Andrew, go ahead as you said that. Okay, I'll, I'll awesome. go then. Fucking okay. go. Um, yeah, so... Fuck, now I've lost my point. Um I hold on, give me, a, give me a sec. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, I'll go. Um so like I said earlier. Can we not cut that out? So yeah, right, yeah I, That was great. It. Are you kidding me? That's probably the most engaging conversation we've had in the last hour and a half. You go um go, go. Yeah, yeah in the it, last it shows, five
3: episodes. It shows just how white me and Andrew are is what it's like the no 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 you go. No, it's, it's absolutely stepping yeah. out of the way of the door for the other yeah. person to come through.
2: Hey, can you tell we're from the Midwest? Yeah. Uh yeah. 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 yeah no you you go ahead no you after you no no after no, you. no. after I, you After no no you were the one for okay it, it's um, okay I'll go yep <laughs> thanks no uh, so like I was saying earlier about the like the fact that the boat the boat sequence gives you a lot of time to really like sit and experience that like waiting dread of war because it's to a really longer a time span when it's when it's an hour like the civilians on the boat It gives you the sense of immediacy, but also the sense that, like, they can do it quickly, but not quickly enough to feel safe. And then with the hours in the plane, that shows, like, a super adrenaline-rushed version of war. So having those three separate timelines does actually give you three different perspectives on what Dunkirk was like. Whereas if they're all told at the same time, it would kind of just be one massive adrenaline rush, and it wouldn't give you a full... Um, understanding of all the different aspects of war as were experienced by different people. The
3: thing is uh, that like that would be true if they were really edited differently but they're not really edited that differently the, o- the only thing is that at the beginning they put a thing that said this takes place over an hour and then you immediately forget that because you're watching a movie and you're like you're not trying to keep in mind like well let me think if this takes place over an hour then this lines up with no you're there's like still just a bunch of time where it's Tom Hardy just flying and it's yeah, not really adrenaline rush it's just like
2: yep he's flying Yeah, I mean they're told yep, he's still flying not edited differently but I think they are told a bit differently like you never M- see M- Tom Hardy kind of just like floating around like oh yeah here we go like he's always you do always though.
3: You see the, a lot of that you see a lot of him just kind of flying along and then he like looks down and sees something and he's like hmm that's interesting, and then keeps flying and then it cuts away to, to something yeah, else that's like more converse. interesting.
1: Yeah, with his, with his uh, co-pilots. They they definitely have that.
3: Yeah, they have that several times. So, yeah, Maybe no. It's much the...
0: faster paced than, like, the bit of the soldiers just sitting on the beach. or Yeah, like, the, the, soldier, mean, the soldiers I mean, sitting on the beach is
2: just, like, them sitting there, like, that's it. Like, they are sitting mm-hmm. there, whereas, like, the civilians coming over on the boats, like, they have some time where they're talking to each other, but they're, like pretty forward focused and in the plane like yeah they have like some moments where they're not like shooting but like you get you get the sense that like they're only out there for a short amount of time so they are constantly focused on what they're supposed to be doing
1: okay so my my take on this is that a movie can start bothering about the experience that the audience is going to have after it succeeds at being a film and I'm not I'm not implying that Dunkirk is like a completely horrible like movie that can't give you any sort of experience. No, not at all. But it was so fucking boring that when it was over, I was looking forward to watching Interstellar because it It go was far. going to be offensively horrible. <laughs> I, and not There's I won't go no that way
0: that you're looking
1: forward to watching Interstellar unless yeah, you haven't sort of. seen it. Yeah, no, it I was because Interstellar is like it is. It is bad in ways that are funny and very overt. Dunkirk was just a snooze fest. I didn't get any war experience out of it. I yeah, loved it. <laughs> to, to me, okay,
3: I remembered I remembered my point, too, and this is that uh, what makes Memento so fucking good is that everything in that movie is driven with intent, like the intent of uh, the author, the intent of uh, Christopher Nolan. So there's nothing he does in that movie that's just like, or almost nothing. I'm sure there's something or another. But there's almost nothing in that movie that's just like a, a random thing or just like, oh, yeah, that's funny. Didn't see that. No, everything is really closely monitored and controlled. And then you go to Dunkirk where it feels like he's just like, oh, I don't know. What if, uh, what if there are different timelines or something? Uh I don't know uh what if we just cut between aspect rate? Uh I don't know what if we just don't have a narrative. Uh it, and it just feels sloppy and clumsy and like it I don't know if the experimental nature sloppy. of it it's well the the, exper- the experiment of, well from a writing perspective
1: is most certainly choppy. Yeah. The from I'm a not writing, talking about the technical part, but the experience is choppy yeah. as fuck.
3: Technically, it's Christopher Nolan. Of course, it's fucking great, but you know, I'm I'm a writer. I look at writing. That is what I care about: is story and writing. And from writing, that movie is one of the sloppiest. It's probably it's even sloppier than Interstellar.
0: I like from really just pure writing. Oof!
3: From <laughs> pure writing, it's sloppier. I mean, like
0: there's less um, dialogue, but I do think that it's a very well structured. Story, I mean unlike
1: I guess unlike Interstellar there really is no room in Dunkirk for any sort of writing really yeah there's no character just, development. There's no well, yeah, story there are no whatsoever. characters to develop. <laughs>
3: there's no characters.
1: Well, yeah, no, there are characters. They don't there's develop like one that's the actual historical event happened the way it happened, so they didn't write that. Um, mm-hmm. It's very effects driven, where um, well, you can, you shit can is can just tell, supposed to happen, and you're supposed to be wowed by the fact that. You can shit tell happens. an interesting character driven story
3: inside of an actual event. I mean, well, like, no, I this believe wasn't that. The yeah. Trust it, me.
0: I do think that it would have made the movie. Worse, I do think that what? slowing. I do think slowing. Are you down, insane? I do think slowing down Dunkirk. <laughs> I think okay, s- I'll
1: grab the popcorn. <laughs>
3: Yeah. No, this is gonna be. Yes. You think that adding a good story would make the movie worse? I think
0: adding what? a bunch of what insane,
3: un- what bad shit position is that? Einish?
2: No, I okay, think. Okay, 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 Alex, wait, wait <laughs> calm wait. down, Alex.
1: I think adding. No, actually, don't come calm down. This is extremely entertaining. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: what the fuck? No, okay, I have you lost your nutter. My what? What in <laughs> the god screen earth did you just you say? You cut out, you <laughs> said, have I, you lost your nugu? No, <laughs> and I'm like, huh? I, I think
1: I you said, have, uh, yeah, yeah, have you lost your nugu to Nutter. explain what
2: Nutter is because I don't
1: yeah. know. No, no we're not right. explaining
2: what Nutter is. Ines, continue your point. Okay, so yeah, I... <laughs> I'm resuming my role as voice of reason in this group. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, I think for Dunkirk, adding a bunch of character development to the characters that really don't need development because the movie's not focused on them it's focused on the event would slow down the movie and make it much
2: worse it would have a I negative think... effect on the pacing yeah.
0: the pacing would be here... slowed down you would have unnecessary scenes where they're just like talking it's like hey man the war yeah i got a wife back home yeah Can whatever I, just like um... just here... stuff that you before alex, need before to alex experience. goes on a rant because here you are coming to see the event of dunkirk and experience it through three different perspectives and a bunch of unnecessary, like dialogue between these characters who they aren't interesting. Like you don't need these characters to be interesting because you're here for something else is kind of like, I guess it's not the the way I explained it. wasn't that clean, but that's kind of like my stance yeah, on it. I see. I see I,
2: I actually see where you're coming from. I, I get agree. what you
1: mean. And before I, I will, t- I totally understand where Alex can, can go with his response. I just want to say that, like, I absolutely agree that, in the movie as it was adding character development would decrease the quality of the pacing but the pacing was already like pretty pretty bad so like i feel like there just needs to be a a, like if we want to make it a perfect experience there would probably need to be a rehaul anyway of some sort
0: i think it also might just be like i guess we're looking for different things in the movie we're like yeah from from, like from what i've understood i guess is like you oleg and alex i think you two sort of Prefer movies where it is like you know you have a character that you follow and there's like you know a narrative and development and like that sort of thing, but I guess I personally like I like that for the movies that set out to do that, but this movie has a completely different goal in mind and for what it sets out to do, I I think it accomplishes it. I I can I
3: can get behind non-conventional shit like there's a Place Beyond the Pines, I think is it's called yeah yeah the one with Ryan Gosling
2: yeah
3: yeah, um. Where it's, you know, transitioning characters and stuff. So, like, I can get behind these non-conventional narratives a lot. The, the issue is that there's just not a narrative. And so the only thing to look at is just, oh, wow, he's really good at shooting stuff. Or, like, he's really good at, at shooting the scene. I'm talking about Christopher Nolan. Yeah. So, I mean, it... I mean, there is a goal like, in
0: mind for each three, like, each of the storylines.
3: Yeah, it, kind it? of... Yeah, what
0: was it though, really?
3: Yeah, actually, that's a good point. What well, what was Tom Hardy's
1: goal in the movie?
0: Wasn't his to like just shoot down the people? Yeah, his goal. But no, I mean it...
1: the artistic goal behind every because like if they're supposed to give like you different experiences, people, the um, what is the purpose behind? I mean, everyone's every one everyone's three goals three was to
2: everyone's, goal no, was, like, everyone's goals. everyone's was, was to evacuate or... the
1: British Army from Dunkirk. Yes, yeah, yeah that, that yeah. much we know from history. I'm yeah, asking, there, like... there's yeah, a clear. Exactly. I want to get the fuck out. Uh, but there, like you don't the, see any like motivation or
3: anything.
0: Okay. I mean, you I was, see the motivation was, hold of. Hold up for a Arizona second. I it
1: out. <laughs> um, in this, <laughs> in I this film, <laughs> like you said, you said um, that every one of those three perspectives needs to be there because they all craft the ultimate like war experience that this film is going for. What difference creatively do those three branches bring to Dunkirk?
0: I mean, different perspectives of the war. There was the side of the civilians, the side of you know the soldiers on the beaches, and then the dog fight but they're
1: people. pretty much th- like they're th- occasional like a lot of build-up with a lot of talking and a lot of slow shots and then um effects and that's pretty much how all of them go I mean, except for maybe diff- the boat i think there's the boat doesn't have the effects part there's a between all
0: three of them like for the citizens one they're also like you know like you don't have to do this it's like no we we do this for the country or whatever and they're like out there saving the soldiers and all that so you see from like the perspective of a civilian why they're
1: out there doing okay but this. that's that's not creatively that's more narratively
2: yeah well yeah well because you have oh sorry. tom, tom hard tom hardy is following orders doing his job like he is he like in plane he is at risk in the standard definition of war he is not at risk of just being picked off like fish in a barrel like everyone on the beaches are their objective is literally just survival get out survive that's all they have tom Hardy in the plane he's trying to help save them but also he's more or less just doing his job and the civilians are people who are going beyond what they would normally have to do because they have this stronger sense of duty but all of what you just
1: said is just coming from your knowledge of history really it's not something that they convey to you in the movie well not through through
2: dialogue but through their actions yes uh
1: debatable
2: like, I was going to say. Also, I, I are you arguing?
1: About. Hold on,
3: hold on. Yeah. Are you arguing that the movie has a plot and has character set up? Because that's what you're saying. It's like, well, this. Well, I didn't say the, motivation I this, the motivation of this character is this. The motivation of this. Well, okay, that is an aspect of character. Is As right? an aspect. So, it it is an aspect of character. <laughs> so. Generally, those are the things that motivate stories and make you interested in watching it, because otherwise, you know. If so, I understand why film students would love this movie because technically, it, it, it's very. It really stunning. It really is. You know, it it, really
0: is. I, I
3: can't deny that at all. Um, however, I can't understand how you would expect anyone in, you know, just a casual, film goer or even. You know, a film goer who just doesn't study cameras and shit, like anybody who doesn't have a super technical background, I can't imagine how you would expect them to go in and be like, "This movie's great." No, they would all be sitting there going like, "Yeah, it, it looks good. It it sounds good." And actually, I've heard from sound mixing people that it actually doesn't sound mix
2: very well. Uh, um, no, that it, just it, does it definitely does. Love. Um, pe- people who do sound mixing get upset with the mix because it's intentionally loud, which is bullshit because it's war. So of course it's fucking <laughs> yeah. Loud. I mean,
3: I, I liked it <laughs> I when it I watched it. I've just had mixed. my some sound friends tell me that uh, they dislike it, just dislike the sound in it. But um, I understand why people on like heavily involved in technical sides would be like, oh, this movie is great. Look at all the technical shit he pulls off. But you know. If you have a movie that's has no plot and it's just like, "Wow, look at how great the CGI!" It's Avatar. It's it's no, Avatar. No, no. Avatar, it's, no it. Avatar has a. Pl- the
2: Avatar actively well, tries okay, to have a I'm plot. Well, okay, but I'm saying the plot. And the plot in and writing to Avatar is bad.
3: absolute dog shit.
0: Okay, I don't think it's that bad. It is. It it's dog shit. I mean, it's this literally.
3: literally- they named the rock that they're going for unobtainium. unobtainium. No, I'm not saying it's well written. You can't say it's not dog shit. <laughs> the
1: movie's not a
0: dog shit movie. I think it's like a it's a hot three out of five kind of thing where like the effects are great, the direction's Ooh. great, sounded yeah, sound. Yeah, I think is great. I think that's yeah. the
1: best I would ever give it. Yeah. That, that's exactly that's the best you could give it. Movie. He
2: does. He's not the but, best But what I'm world, saying but, is
3: that no <laughs> like That's a movie where it's, like, stunning for its visual effects. It's like, oh my god, they pulled off this amazing CGI. But I still don't want to watch the fucking movie ever again. Because the story is dog shit. And the writing is dog shit. And I don't understand how anybody can enjoy it.
2: Okay, and I will say, in fairness, we did start off by saying... You had your statement saying that what you most look for in movies is writing. I had my statement saying that what I most look for in movies is the technical aspects. And so it, I mean, it, it does, it does depend. That's the thing about, that's the thing about cinema and mostly all art. I love the review. It's just that, you know, people, people go into movies looking for different things. That's why different genres exist. That's why some movies are fast. Some movies are slow. Some movies are focused a lot on characters like romances and rom-coms. Some movies are more focused on the story like mystery and noir. It all kind of just, depends but for what i'm personally looking for in a movie dunkirk really fulfills it it doesn't have the it doesn't have the plot and the characters to back it up like a lot of other movies do but what does have is the ability to try something new and technically pull it off really really well and whether it succeeds is kind of up to yourself you know
1: I suppose I can agree to that. I don't know, Uh, Oleg, how about you? Well, I mean, I agree with that much. I don't think it's that much of an achievement to be able to try something new. Yeah, that's a good point <laughs> I, feel, I, feel like anybody I, I, I will say yeah it's not much of an brain. achievement
2: to try something new and it seems uh, like it wouldn't be that much of an achievement to try something new and make it work but like take a look back at the movies you saw like last year the year I, before the, the year make before it work that. part
1: is is the part we should focus on yeah, yeah. but frankly I, I feel like that's the part that we just disagree on well i mean what it what Alex is trying I, to do I feel like are like fundamentally under the impression that it didn't pull it off, and you guys are well, I, I and think that's where it, the disagreement is coming from.
3: I, I think it pulled off what it was trying to do, which is be a completely technical masterpiece. But it it in, in the completely disregard writing, it pulled that off in spades, or, or in disregard casual moviegoer mm-hmm. experience, it pulled it off in spades. I'll I'll give it that. It, that it pulled off the technical... I mean, technical... most
1: people casually still like this movie, including us, when we saw it in the theater. Like, yeah, I, I was gonna it. Saying, I didn't in, love in it. Theaters, I thought it was okay. I don't think I I've met any person
0: love. who hates this movie. Like, they were just like... like... The thing uh, is, you have now.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not gonna go as far as to say I, I, I hate it. I, I hate, but like, I hate I I the home theater experience of it. I definitely dislike it. After watching it in the theater, I think I was like, it's an okay film. I don't regret seeing it, but I won't ever seek to, like, watch it again. But I did it for the podcast. I, and now, and I now I definitely dislike. I don't hate it. Yeah. I dislike it.
3: I almost had to tap out of watching it, honestly. Like, yeah, and I, I mean, it was not as bad as Interstellar, to which I had to, I had to drink copious amounts of alcohol to, to be able to withstand it. And for everybody who's wondering, yes, I am of age, so I, I'm legally allowed to drink.
0: Alex is so. eighteen. <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly. I'm single, ladies, I'm sixteen
0: and ready to mingle.
1: um, Okay, that would be really funny though. Yeah, I am of age. I am of age. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Um but that that movie I think you'd have to pay me to watch Interstellar again. Like it's not quite that bad with Dunkirk, but it does take up a special form of torture in my mind.
0: I want that on the Blu-ray.
3: <laughs> is that our new t-shirt? Dunkirk is torture? I, I will not. not wear that. I, no. or, wait, how about this? Uh, beyond the silver screen, a special form of torture.
2: <laughs> that I will wear. I am down for that one. <laughs> that I can get behind. <laughs> a
1: lot of people can't, and I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> a special form of torture.
2: Okay, I think that just about wraps same. everything up, unless yeah, anyone that, that has.
3: Also, I I do want to say too, um, the movie you were describing earlier, where it's like war is mostly about sitting around and not doing stuff. Um, that would be the movie Jarhead with Jake. I knew Joel. you were going to say that. <laughs> yep. I tried to say it earlier and I m- mixed up the name and I think I said Jughead. Yeah, from Riverdale. Which is a completely different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Far better actually. <laughs> yeah. No. And by the
3: way, I'm not writing. talking about that fucking Riverdale. I'm talking about actual Jughead. Archie and Jughead baby. No,
0: dude, Jughead's the, the Riverdale's the better Archie comics. Ugh. Um, um, Archie I'm, I'm, Comics yeah.
2: aren't even the better Archie Comics. Yeah, a garbage can yeah, is the jar, better Archie No, Bazooka Bubblegum is the best is the version perfect. of Archie Comics because it's just the sugar and no sugar. Okay, um, can I, can that's I that's cut there. this
1: short and ask, do we actually need to talk about anything else or do you want to wrap it so that I can leave? I have
2: to use the bathroom, so.
1: Wrap it and tap it, boys. Okay, I mean, do we, do, are we going
3: to have an outro? or? Uh,
2: oh, someone uh, should say something about joining us next week.
3: Yeah, join us yes, next week um, where we'll start talking about, you know, Interstellar and uh what's the other one?
1: Inception. Oh yeah, Inception. Inception. Good movie. Ugh. Good fucking movie. We're Good going in <laughs> to next week. Yeah, um stay tuned. We are excited <laughs> for Tenet. We hope you are excited for Tenet because you are supposed to bring us views. Please please do that better than you have been doing it so far. <laughs> you you have not I, been successful. Yeah, watch watch the I'll video say now,
0: a couple times. 20 times. I will
1: say now. <laughs> next
3: next week, next week should be interesting, because I went in not liking Inception and came out actually really loving it. Really, so, it's a good fucking movie. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited to talk about it and to shit on Interstellar
1: for a long time. I think well, it's not going to be as exciting as Dunkirk because it's going to be not as divided it's going to be more unanimous